Pastor Carl, welcome to Anchor Church this morning. A couple things, if you're new for the first time, you don't know what goes on around here, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you, and it looks like this, and all we're asking for is just some information we can get to know you. If you want to be connected, build relationships, fill that thing out, and all you got to do, fill it out, drop it in the offering bucket at the end of service. We'll get a hold of those things. Someone will text you this week and tell you what's up. Welcome to church. Here's what we got going on. Secondly, there's a prayer and praise card. If you would like to get a little bit of help and just know that somebody's got your back and whatever it is you're praying about, let us know. Fill out the prayer and praise card. Drop it in the offering bucket. And all it does is it activates our entire staff and our prayer teams. And we just have your back throughout the week in prayer, whatever it is that you're going through. It's good to know someone else has, has got your back. Um, the third thing you can, you can also write on those is your, your praise reports. So if God's coming through, we just want to celebrate with you. We want to praise God with you. Again, that all goes in the offering. You can actually, don't even fill out the prayer card. You can take out the Anchor Church app, type it all in right there. You don't even need to waste paper, pens, obsolete catch up with technology. Do it all on the app. You can do everything on the app. We try to make it real simple and easy for you guys. So take a look at that. Um, let me see what else I got going on. Oh, also our growth track. Our growth track class number two is happening today at 11 a.m. in the youth conference room uh, down at the other end of the campus. Growth track is basically our fastest way to assimilate you into this church. If you come, you like it, you don't know what's going on around here, the quickest way is to take those four classes. We tell you about the church history, background, a little bit about me, what we're all about, what we believe in. And this week, Week number two is discover your design. This is the fun one where you actually get to take surveys that you find out about your personality, the spiritual gifts God's given you, and it's really cool to see how God uniquely designed you. So take advantage of that, 11 a.m. in the youth conference room. And I've got a, two more things to talk about. Is youth camp is coming up, summer camp. How many of you, is there youth in the room? Where's our youth? We got some youth over there. You guys going to camp? Come on, you guys got to go. You guys get the money to go to camp? Because you can hit up these people right here. You guys want to like hook these guys up. We got some of you. Seventh through twelfth grade. If you're coming into seventh grade, you're you're exiting out of twelfth grade. Um, we want them in summer camp. Summer camp changes lives. I think it's the best thing the youth group does all year. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. When you get a bunch of high school, junior high kids together away from all of the distractions, you give them like three days or however long it's going to be just with each other, with good godly leaders, worshiping, getting the word, having fun, having a great time, s'mores, the whole deal is it changes lives. So if you're, you've got kids and you know in that age group, get them to camp. The info is right here. You can sign them up for camp on the app right now. You can pay the whole deal. We just know that summer camp is like one of the greatest things we do. And if you're like, you don't know any kids or whatever, but you want to help sponsor some kids, hey, we're open to that too. Kids are broke, right? You guys are young. You don't have jobs yet. How many of you kids need some extra money to get to camp? Come on. Come on. Everybody say, oh, look at these kids. These poor kids. Like you can do something about that. You know what you can do? You can go out there and you can support the youth ministry. They're going on a mission trip too. They're selling popsicles, Ono Pops out there. So they're taking card this week now. So all of you guys that don't carry car, you know, don't carry cash, go out there and buy some popsicles. Send them to camp. Send them to Japan on their mission trip. Let's support the next generation. Last thing I got um, is that um, we're in the middle right now of our, uh, we just did our first week of our summer series of Connect Groups. Connect groups are where we just get together, we do life together, we talk about God, pray for each other, and we just share life. It's not really like a Bible study where anyone's teaching you. We just all participate and talk story. But you can still get in on that action if you want to sign up for a connect group. It's six weeks only for the summer semester. One week is already down. We had one week already. But if you still want to jump in, 
Go on the church app. You can sign up for a connect group right now. Go to the information center. Go online. But get involved in a connect group. We actually started the financial one. Remember last week I talked about that series, I Was Broken, Now I'm Not, the book we've been reading? We had over 160 people show up on Thursday night. We started... 21 connect groups on finances. We all came in here together. We watched the video. We broke up into groups. People are meeting each other. People are getting ahead in life. They're setting budgets and saving money. And it's been really, really good. And if you're like, that many people went? It's that good? Yes, it is. And you want to still jump in? Show up this Thursday night, 6.30. Let us know if you sign up at the, at the, on the app or you sign up in the courtyard. Let us know so we got the material available for you. But it's a really good one. I recommend it. I was here. I'm learning a lot about my finances. Really, really good one for you. You can still jump in a week late, even if you miss it. That's all the announcements that I got for you guys. You ready for the word of God this morning? All right. Here's what we're talking about. We're in the Frequently Asked Questions series, and we're kind of coming to an end. I'm starting a new series next week. It's going to be good. The next new series is on Elijah in the Bible. Powerful man of God. You're going to be fired up. It's going to be good. We've got Father's Day coming up. It's going to be good. But we're finishing the Frequently Asked Questions series with the same question we covered last week, because I think it needs at least two weeks on this subject, is can God help me with my money? So we're doing part two this week. And the little refresher for you guys that maybe missed last week or you, you want to be reminded was remember last week what we talked about this idea that everything that we have, first of all, if God, can you help me with my money? Okay, first of all, you got to understand it's not necessarily your money. Right? That's the first thing we talked about. And you'd be going, no, it is my money. I work hard. I, I got a job. It's my paycheck, all of this. But when you understand what the Bible teaches about the fact that everything that we have belongs to God, and God is a loving Father, and God allows us to have stuff. He gives it to us to manage, but he wants us to be good managers. Remember we talked about the guy that, that got one bag full of, uh, or he got five bags of silver last week. Jesus told a parable. Another guy got two bags of silver. Another guy got one bag of silver. And what the, the owner who gave the money said was, hey, I want you guys to take it and manage it well. I expect you to do something good with it. But remember, it's my money. You're just managing it. And the sooner we get to understand the perspective that all that I have is from God in the first place, then it makes me not be such a selfish hoarder and have this mindset of greed and all this selfishness. You start to understand it's all a blessing from God anyway. I want to do my best with what he's given me. Like, I want to give a good return on what's happening. And we talked about that last week. And because God is a good father that gives us everything, we want to be good managers of it. And there was three things we talked about. If you remember, I, I gave a quote from John Wesley, famous pastor who started the Methodist Church. He told us, here's a good way to manage your money. Three simple steps. Gain all you can. In other words, work hard earn a good living, don't be lazy, be diligent, be productive. So, so work hard, gain all you can. And then he said, when you gain all you can and you're like, you're, you're, you have a good income, good job, and you're productive, then save all you can. Don't just spend it all, but think of what's important in your life, the goals, the dreams, the vision you have for your life, and be smart about it. You made that money, now put it to good work, manage it well. And then he told us a third thing, that you gain all you can, that you save all you can. And the third one is really interesting because this isn't necessarily what the world says. This is what God says. The third thing that you do after you've gained and you've saved is that you give all you can. Now, the world's going to tell you, why don't you stop with the earning, the gaining, and the saving? You're good. Set yourself up good. But God goes, my economy's different. You want to get ahead in your money? It's even after you made it all. Here's what God asks of us is give. Learn to be a giver. Learn to be generous. And don't put yourself out and give everything. But he's saying, manage it well, 
But let there be a part of the way you manage your money that a big part that comes into play is generosity, is giving. Now, God says, that's not what the world teaches us. It says kind of save and keep everything. But God promises us a blessing. We're going to talk about this today. Is if you can learn to be a giver, if you can walk out of this room today having just a little bit more of an idea of, you know what, I'm just going to try giving. I'm going to practice a little bit more generosity. The Word of God tells us that you will be rewarded, you'll be blessed, because God loves a cheerful giver. There's so many verses in Scripture, so we're going to get into that. One of the reasons why I'm in ministry today, and I've decided to give my life to like giving and preaching and, and helping the world around me is because there's this guy in my life. If I ever write a book, I'm going to have to write all these names God put in my life that have changed my life. But there's this one guy that I got to give props to. And it was my junior high pastor. When I was in seventh and eighth grade, and those, how many of you guys remember seventh and eighth grade? Those are the most awkward years of our life. You guys remember that? Like pimples and acne. And like for guys, like we're like, oh, hey guys, how's it going? Like your voice changed. Remember, guys, when that happened? Like puberty happens, and you're like, now I have hair there? That's really weird. Like stuff, right? It's like awkward, and you're trying to figure out like how to have self-confidence. And guys and girls dealing with the opposite sex, like you used to tease them and make fun of them, and now you kind of like them, and what is happening to you? Like anybody remember junior high? Come on. That is an awkward age. Come on, you guys. Admit it, right? You guys weren't all the studs that you are today. You know that you had a hard time. But in that transition of life, and here's what makes it worse for me. I was a pastor's kid. So there's this expectation like, oh, you're going to be a goody-goody. You're going to grow up like dad. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to do all this. And at that stage of life, you start to form your own views of your own faith. Like you go to church because mom and dad made you, but you don't have to keep going to church. At some point, you get to choose your own faith. And with most pastor's kids, you either run from God or you run to God. And I was right on the fence. And in seventh and eighth grade, when I had lack of confidence and I'm awkward and all of this stuff, this guy, Clinton Landeza, came into my life as my youth pastor. And Pastor Tom is on staff with me, one of my best friends. And the whole Landeza family is like my second family. They, they raised me. They bring out my Filipino side, right? Because I'm, I'm a quarter Filipino, and they're like hardcore Filipino. And they, so Uncle Tom is introducing me to like Makadang Dang and Bulut and all the, you know. So anyway, this is my Filipino family. They raised me. But um, Clinton is the older brother to Pastor Tom. And he was our junior high pastor in the day. And he basically, he gave his life for us. Like, the church was small back then. We didn't even pay him. He was the junior high pastor. But I was thinking, how many times did he treat me to 7-Eleven, Spam Musubis, and Slurpees? How many times did he pay for me to go movies? How many times did he drive me around the island to skate? And I, we used to skate in Aikahi, Park, Aikahi Gutters, they used to call it. Anybody from back in the day, skateboarders? Anybody remember Aikahi Gutters? Like, all this. Anyway, he would take a skateboarding, surfing, all of this. And as I look back in my life, not only did he show me all of that and give his life, but he, he gave his faith to me. He showed me what it was to have quiet time with the Lord. I'd go over to his house sometimes, Clinton, Clinton. He didn't answer the door. I let myself in. How come he didn't answer the door? He's right there on his bed. He's praying. He's having quiet time with the Lord. Worship music is on. He's reading his word, and he didn't even stop to let me in the door. Right? He was hardcore. I'm like, Clinton. I'm like, well, you didn't even. And he was like, no, I'm locked in. But you know what he taught me? He gave me a love for Jesus. He gave me like a passion to help other people. He showed me how to worship. He gave me a love to read the word of God. And I said, man, that guy did all that for me. His generosity changed my life. 
I want to set my life on changing other people's lives too. And if I ever write a book, and, and he's going to play a big part on setting me up to be a pastor. Now, here's what's cool about generosity. Write this down in your notes. It's not even in your notes, but write this in your notes. First thing I want you to get is generosity changes lives. So we're going to talk about today about like giving and how you can change people's lives, but it changes two people's lives. The people that you're generous to, but also the person that is being generous to the other person. And when I think of Clinton Landeza, I think, man, that guy changed my life, but look at how cool he changed my life. I grew up to want to be like him, to be a giver, and now I get the opportunity to speak, to influence people, to speak for God, to run a church that's doing all this cool stuff in the world. How many people are blessed because of the words that God's giving me to say, all because I followed the example of someone giving their heart and their faith to me from Clinton, and I just think, it's crazy. He's going to get to heaven and he's going to be rewarded, and he's going to get all of those, those accolades from God because his generosity changed my life. He was blessed because he felt like he changed a life, but it's actually paying dividends. He's, he's now blessing all of these other people's lives, and I just think this. Don't you want to have that kind of a feeling that you could actually impact the world around you by giving? And today, listen, I don't want you freaking out and thinking, oh, pastor's talking about giving. This is the one where he tells, give all the money to Anchor Church. Wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a heart issue that if you want God to bless you in your money, in your relationships, in your job, in your hobbies, in your emotions, then be a giver of all of those things and watch the blessing come back to you and watch the rewards that are coming in your life. So today, Get that in your head, is that generosity changes lives. You guys ready to hear about that? Let's look at what the Word of God says. And, and here's the first thing. It might be in your notes. I can't remember, but it says, generous people are more blessed. It might be one of those fill-in-the-blank things. Is that what it says right there? And it's actually on your, on your church app, too. If you're like, I don't even feel, I'm so lazy, I don't even want to pick up a pen today and write on paper, then you can just grab your phone because you know it's already in your hand. Some of you guys are trying to make like, you're not, no one sees you, you're texting low, you're Instagramming right now. It's already in your hand. All you got to do is click on the church app. You can take notes on that. Isn't that cool? Isn't that easy? Reason why you can have your phone in your hands in church. I made it easy for you guys. You're welcome. Okay, let's look at Acts chapter 20. And we're going to talk about generous people are more blessed. That is a positive statement, something I'm sure of. If you're a generous giver, you are going to be more blessed. I didn't come up with it. This guy named Jesus came up with it. So I have a tendency to believe him. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says this. It's the Apostle Paul teaching about Jesus. He says, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And he quotes Jesus and he says simply, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, I want you guys to catch this here today. Because I've always thought this growing up in church, hearing that. It's more blessed to give than receive. I always thought that Jesus was teaching a really good concept, a really good thought, a good ideal. Is that overall, we know it's a really good thing to be a giver and not to be a receiver or just to, to really be someone that is generous. And I'm, oh, it's a good thing, it's a good thing, it's a good thing. But when I looked up the words in the original Greek that this is written in, it's not just some really good concept or idea out there that God says, that is a great idea, it's holy, it's really good. It literally, when you read the words more blessed in the original language, it's actually a personal blessing. It's not like I do that because it's a really good, nice thing. This actually, the words more blessed are saying, no, this applies to individuals that you personally are going to have a better life. So when you read this and you go, should I be a giver? Well, God thinks it's a good idea. No, no, it's way better than that. 
Should I be a giver? God promises me that I am a more blessed person in my life. Here's what the words more blessed originally mean. It means that you and I, if we become generous, are personally happier than just someone that's kind of like, well, I maybe give once in a while, but I like to receive a lot more. He goes, no, if you're a giver, you're personally happier. It actually says you're more favored by God. These words more blessed are powerful. It says that you're fortunate, you're well off physically, that God's going to provide physical needs for you. I'm not promising some kind of prosperity thing that says, if you serve God, you're going to become a multimillionaire. Oh, God, I believe this. You're going to be well off and, and have all your needs met. And sometimes that's just enough. But what this word more blessed is saying is you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be a person that in life is like content and you're satisfied and you have spiritual well-being. It means when you're a giver, you're closer to God. Like you have spiritual prosperity. And here's a, the greatest definition is it says that if you're a giver, more blessed means you have joy of the soul which is very different than happiness based on circumstances. Happiness is a feeling that comes and goes. If life is good, you're happy. If life is bad, you're bummed out, you're sad, you're depressed, you're angry. Joy of the soul means this. No matter what's going on in my life, I'm full of the joy of the Lord, and I have this disposition that says I'm still more blessed. Yeah, but look, your, your finances are fine. I don't care. I'm more blessed. Yeah, but you shouldn't be happy because look at what's going on with your relationship. I know. It doesn't matter. I'm blessed that people I know that are generous people that are givers, because I got some friends, all they want to do is give to me. And I love, I love that God is giving me people that bless my life, but also examples for me to be a better giver. I look at these people, they never have bad days. Stuff is going wrong in their life, and there's hardship in their life, but they always come out of it just going, no, but I'm blessed. I'm content. And you know what they do? They just give more. And I th think that, that some people say, that's because they have a lot to give, they have a lot of stuff, so therefore they're joyful givers. It's actually the opposite. By nature in their heart, they're joyful givers, and God rewards them, and he gives them more stuff so that they can give away more stuff. Does that make sense to you guys? But you're more blessed. Now, when you read this in Scripture, it's not like, oh, it's better to give than receive. It's more blessed. No. Jesus is actually saying when you're a giver, you personally get blessed. So what does it do for me? I wrote down some notes that you can take here today. Number one is giving, being a good giver, being someone who's generous, it transforms and it grows me. And it can do the same for you. I recognize that I change when I become more of a giver. John 3.16, which is, we all know this, it's the most famous verse in the Bible, right? For God so loved the world. We all know this. We've learned it. doesn't matter how close our walk is with God. We've heard it somewhere. And here's what it says. It says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, that's the gospel in one message, in one verse right there. But this is what you see. There's two things that God did that were super significant in the most famous verse in the Bible. Is number one is he loved. But because he loved, he proved it by giving. He loved and he gave. Those are the two huge things. So by the very nature of who God is, 1 John tells us that God is love. And everything in our relationship with Christianity is about love. So we know that God loves, but here's the way that he immediately proves that he loves, is he gave. He gave. God is the number one, first and foremost, biggest and greatest giver in all of the universe, in all of history. God is a giver. His heart says this, I love those people that I created, even though sin messed them up and they're not with me anymore. I love them while they were still sinners enough 
that I prove my love by giving my son to die on that cross. That God is a huge giver by his very nature. And then you come along and you read this, this verse in Ephesians 5, where Paul tells us that we are to imitate God, therefore, in everything we do, because we're his dear children. He gave his son to buy us back, and now what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to look like God. We're supposed to imitate God in what we do. And let me tell you this. You never look more like God than when you love and when you give. You never look more like God. You can never imitate him more than when you're someone that does what he does. He loved the world, therefore he gave his son. We imitate God, and we look and reflect his glory, and we look just like him when we learn to be people that love and learn to be people that give. And so we're called to imitate God. Our identity actually changes. We see a transformation through imitation. We imitate God, and our lives begin to transform. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, all of us who have had that veil removed, what's the veil? The veil of sin and selfishness and the way that, the, 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 the way that we saw the world before, all about us and our sinful nature and all that. Well, the veil's removed now because we said yes to Jesus, and now we can see. And it says this, so all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. In other words, in other words here's, here's God, and we're imitating him because we look just like we're reflecting who he is in our lives. And it says, and the, the Lord who's the spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. And what's happening here is as we become people that are givers and we love and we give like God, is it begins to change us. You ever asked yourself this question in life? And just taking a good self-inventory and said, do I even like who I am? Do I even like who I'm becoming? Like, that's a good question we ought to ask ourselves pretty often. Do I like who I'm becoming? What happens is when you become a giver and you imitate God and reflect his glory, then I found in my life as I've been more generous in doing this, I actually get this self-confidence and pride in a good sense that says, man, I'm starting to look like God. I'm finally getting this Christianity thing down, that life isn't all about me. It's about being a blessing to other people. And you start to realize, I like who I'm becoming. I'm growing up finally in the Lord. I'm maturing a little bit. And you like this identity. And this is what I, I feel like when I begin to give. I'm like, I'm getting better. And I like that feel. I'm getting better. Now, I don't want you to take it to the human pride thing that says, I'm getting better and you're getting worse. Right? Because some of us, we get like that. We compare like, oh, I'm a giver now. Oh, you don't give? Oh, too bad for you. Maybe you can reflect my glory because I'm pretty awesome now. Like sometimes we think like that, like I'm getting better. But listen, it's not a better that says I'm better than anybody else and I'm comparing to anyone else. You know what's happening when you become a giver is you're just becoming a better you. Like Carl is becoming a better Carl than he was yesterday. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. Look, look at this quote by Ernest Hemingway. He said this, there's nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility is being superior to your former self. Isn't that cool? Generosity helps you become a better you. It transforms you. You practice giving, and you start going, I am proud of who I'm becoming. I'm looking like God. There's a family resemblance. He's my dad. I'm his son. I kind of got his nose, his eyes, whatever. But what you have is you have his heart because God is a giver. Here's the second thing that giving does for me and for you. It keeps me focused on God. Real simple. 
I start to reflect his glory. I start to look like him. I start to feel good. But here's what happens to every human being. We get all excited and fired up on God, and then we get distracted by what the world has to offer, right? Remember when you first became a Christian and what a good feeling that was? You're like, oh my gosh, finally someone to help me. I believe God is real. He's answering my prayers. He's doing something real in my life. Like, I'm not just part of some religious cult or something. God is really real. I feel it. And what happens when you first become a Christian is you start to surrender everything in your life to God. You start to feel how good it is to let him be in control and you obey his word and you pray and you let him lead you. And you're just like, man, life is good. It might be hard, but you're good because God is in control and your eyes are all focused on him. But here's what happens to every one of us because we're Christians, because we, we're humans. We're born into like sinful nature and flesh is we're all fired up and focused on God and then something comes along and hits us in life. Maybe it's fear, maybe circumstances, and you're like, oh no, I don't know if God can control this one. I better control this one. Or maybe it's desires. It's stuff that you want or people that you want and you go after addictions and stuff and you're like, focus is coming off God now and it's like, feed the self and what I'm thinking. Maybe it's just flat out control issues of like, I was doing it God's way, but it's kind of scary walking the life of faith. I feel a lot better if I'm the one in control, making control of my decisions. And here's what happens to us. We mean well, our hearts are good, we want to focus on God, but we get distracted and we start thinking, I better focus on self because I got to deal with my fears, my desires, my control. Well, here's the cure for that. One of the biggest things in my life that I found to keep me focused on God that focuses me is giving. It's giving to other people because all eyes go off of me and my problems handling my, my life and my fear and what I want. And when you're giving something away, you're like, you're releasing control and you're like, ah, oh, and suddenly the focus is on who you're giving to. Because when you focus on stuff, think about this, you obsess so much about it and that thing begins to control your life. You ever, think about this, you ever bought a car, a new car, and then you suddenly realize and recognize every other car that looks exactly like yours on the roads in the state of Hawaii. You guys, right? Or you're like saving money to buy that 2020 Toyota Tacoma and all I ever see is all the new Tacomas everywhere and I'm just obsessing over Anybody like me like that, right? Or think about when you're dating and you obsess about that person that you love and you got a crush on. You're like, oh man. And all you think about is them and you want to text them all the time and looking at pictures. And girls, you ever did this one? Because I used to see this happen all the time. Girls, you write down in handwriting your name and the last name of the other guy just to see what it looks like on paper. You're like, oh, right? You write it down, you're like, you change it, you say it out loud just to see how it sounds, rolls off the tongue good, right? Because you're, you're obsessed with that person. You're like, that's all you can see. That's all you can think about like everywhere you go or, or think about it like this is, is I wrote down, if you're obsessed with like a hobby or a sport, I had friends back in high school so obsessed with surfing that everywhere they go, they would see waves and they would talk about surfing. Walking down the road and there's like a low hanging bush like this say, and they're walking by and they look and they're like, oh, barrel, barrel, I'm getting barreled, bro. I'm getting tubed, right, on the side of the road. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you look ridiculous. But they walk down the street and here's a curb. Pretend this is a curb, right? Walking down the street and they see the curb and start going like this, rah, rah, rah. And they go down the whole length and, and, and I'm like, what are you doing right now? Oh, you saw my wave. Like, that's not a wave. That's a curb. Like, get surfing off your mind. Like, relax. Like, but obsessing about something or, or anybody watch TV shows? Like, anybody ever seen The Office with Steve Carell? Anybody come on The Office? And everybody you meet is suddenly like, oh, that guy's such a Dwight. Right, you're a Dwight Schultz and like, Phyllis. You like, you start naming all the people in your life based on the show because you love the show. So come on, you admit you do that. We do that, right? 
Now, here's the thing, that God is going, I want, I want to be that one that you obsess over. I want to be first on your mind. I want you always thinking like me and imitating me. And listen, I'm telling you this, giving is one of the greatest ways that will keep you focused and obsessing on the things of God rather than yourself and your own control and other people. Don't take my word for it. Let's look at look what the word says about it in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17. This is Paul. He's instructing a young pastor named Timothy who is scared and quiet and shy, and he's instructing him, hey, here's how to be a good pastor to these people in this church in Ephesus. And he's teaching this message. He says this, Timothy, tell those who are rich in this world's wealth, people that got money, to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money. In other words, get your focus off of the stuff. And he says, because money's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And instead, tell them to go after God, like focus on God, because he's the one who piles all the riches that we could ever manage and tell them to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. That's what we're talking about today. And if they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is true life. In other words, if you can be a giver and you can focus on God and on being generous to other people, you're going to have the best life possible. You're going to have a life that is true life. Not just like, oh, it's good enough. No, no, no. If you focus on God and on generosity, you're going to have a life that's abundant. It's satisfying. Let's go back to what Jesus said, the words more blessed. You're going to be favored. You're going to be fortunate. You're going to have a spiritual prosperity. You're going to feel close to God. You're going to have joy of the soul if you're someone that focuses on giving. And focus on giving, and you will focus on God. Here's what Winston Churchill said. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. He says, real life is when you're a generous person. Scripture said that, Paul said that, Jesus said that, even Winston Churchill said that, because when you focus on giving, it takes the spotlight off you, it breaks off selfishness, it breaks off pride, it breaks, breaks off greed, and you can't help but focus back on, I'm starting to look like God. This is really good. Keeps me focused on God. Here's a third thing that giving does for us, being generous, is it blesses and it refreshes us. It blesses and refreshes me. Like you get a good feeling when you're a giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 12 says that when you give, again, here's the Apostle Paul. He's coaching a church in Corinth and he's saying, guys, we need to take an offering for our friends, the church over there in Jerusalem. They're having hard times. There's like famine. They need some financial help. We're going to band together. I'm asking that you guys would give towards the needs over here. And he says this, when you give, here's what happens. He says, two good things happen as a result of your gifts. Those in need are helped. You met their physical need. But also, they overflow with thanks to God. Those you help will be glad, not only because of your generous gifts to themselves and to others, but they will also praise God for this proof that your deeds are as good as your doctrine. Here's what it says that's a blessing from giving. Is that giving actually meets physical needs and spiritual needs. And you need to know that when you give, sometimes we think, oh, we're just, I'm hooking someone up. I treat them to lunch or I, I help pay their rent. They're in a hard place. Uh, I'm just meeting a good physical need. But Paul is reminding us that we actually have an opportunity as we give physically to actually give something spiritually. To actually, as these people said, as it said, man, those in need are helped, but also they're going to be blessed and pushed closer to God because they see that it was God directing you to meet the physical need. Does that make sense? Like you have an incredible opportunity for a double blessing whenever you hook someone up physically. It means that when you give something to someone, you shouldn't just go, hey, I saw you in need, so here you go, you can have this, I wanted to bless you. But if you actually go, wait, I'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity. Not only am I gonna physically meet the need, but tell them this, 
hey, just so you know, the reason I'm giving this to you is because God told me to, and God must love you, and he has plans for your life. So really, I'm giving on behalf of God, because what I have is just, I'm managing it for him anyway. God loves you. He wants you to know him, and just be blessed today. You get the opportunity to push someone that much closer to God. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's powerful, but here's what Christians do for the most part. We think it's really good just to give, give, give physically. We forget what an opportunity we have to move someone along. I've given away cars, surfboards, just all kinds of stuff, different money at different times. And always God's going, hey, Carl, don't just give it to them. Tell them that I love them. Oh, you're right. That's, that's true. He goes, because remember what you're giving them? It's not yours anyway. I gave it to you so you could give it to them. Let them know that I love them. Move them closer to me. We have the option to totally bless other people bigger than we think. And the other thing is it says right here is, those people will praise God for this proof that your deeds are as good as your doctrine. You know what giving does for me is it proves that my faith is legit. Because if I say I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to imitate God, and if I have love for other people, then when I actually put my love and my faith into action by giving, right there I'm stepping out and I'm proving, no, I am a Christian. I'm not a hypocrite. A lot of us, we walk around, we speak good. We tell everybody we're Christian. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm a Christian. I go to Anchor Church. But when we activate it by putting our actions where our mouth is, our talk is, we walk our talk, you know what that does for you when you actually put it into action? You feel like, I'm doing this thing. I am close to God. I am learning. It is getting through to me. Your faith grows. Your confidence grows. The feeling you get from blessing other people where five minutes earlier you're being all stingy and like, I don't want to give that thing. And God goes, no, bless that other person. And when you let that thing go and you give it, you get the greatest feeling in the world. You're like, what was I thinking five minutes ago? Like, this feels so good. But it actually proves that your faith is real. Proverbs 11.25 tells us that the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Listen, is your faith right now, maybe you came to church this morning, but you're like this, mm, I'm not really getting much out of my walk with God. I don't really hear him speaking to me. It's hard to read the Bible. It's kind of dry. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not really feeling it. Let me tell you, here's a really good cure to refresh you and get you fired up on God again. One word, give. Give. Just go practice giving anything to anybody. Like, I'm not saying this isn't about give money to the church. I'm just saying this. You're feeling dry. You're feeling not close to God. You feel like you're, you're just, you need to be refreshed. Here's a simple way to activate that and get refreshed. Go, go treat someone to lunch. Go take the time to pray for someone. Go, go start. I'm going to try tithing today. See what it is. Because what comes back to you, this blessing of refreshing of like, I did something. I'm real. I'm living my faith. My, my faith is alive. God is a, you get refreshed out of this thing. Listen to this story. Uh, a few months back, a couple in our church was eating dinner down at Denny's, Windward City Shopping Center, having their dinner, enjoying dinner. This, this big group of uh, some military, some local people, there's like seven or eight younger people that kind of sat down a little ways away at a booth near where this couple was sitting and eating. They come to church here. They're enjoying their meal, but instantly as they're eating and stuff, they see this other crowd come and sit down. God's telling the husband, hey, you should buy their dinner. And he's like going, oh, that's a great thought, but no. And he just keeps eating, right? And then God goes, you should treat those guys. And he goes, God, there's like seven or eight of them there. They're young. They look like they eat a lot. They look like they're going to have dessert. You know how much it's going to cost me, God? No, no, I'm not doing this. All through dinner, 
He's talking to his wife. They're enjoying their dinner. He's not telling his wife what's going on, but God just keeps on blasting Holy Spirit talking. Anybody ever had that where God just nags you until you do it? And if you don't do it, you're just going to be bummed the rest of your life. You know, right? Like, oh, I got to do this thing. So he's just sitting there like, oh, God keeps saying, treat them, treat their, pick up their bill, pick up their bill. And he's like, no way. And then finally, at the end of dinner, they go to pay their bill. And he goes, well, I'll just see. I'll test it. If my wife's into it, then maybe it's from God. And he goes, so honey, uh, we just paid the bill. And he goes, how would you feel if we like spent like another hundred or a couple hundred dollars or something tonight? And he didn't tell her why. And she just goes, you should buy those guys dinner right now. And he's just like, okay, God, I hear you, right? So they walk out. They tell the waiter, hey, whatever it is, we're picking up those guys' tab. Don't tell them. We're going to go to our car. We just feel like God told us to bless these people. So they do it all on the hush-hush. They walk out, walking across the, the parking lot. And one of the guys from the group comes out, hey, did you guys pay for our meal? And they're just like, stupid waiter. Why you got to, right? <laughs> Don't tell. But the waiter told anyway. And then, so the guys come running out. The guys come running out. And they go, why did you do that? And I, and he just said, hey, we just wanted to bless. We appreciate our military. We thank you for your service. And we just feel like we wanted to bless you. God wanted us to bless you. So we picked it up. So then the whole rest of the party all comes running out. Everybody starts crying and hugging. The man and woman, ah, we love you. Thank you. And it's just a whole scene. And he told me this story to say, Carl, that was the best feeling I've ever had in my entire life. That is the That fired me up on my faith better than any sermon, any worship song, any time of prayer, to actually live the life that God has called me to, and the reaction that I got, he goes, it just made me want to give again. It's so refreshing. I'm telling you this. If your life is feeling dry right now, just give. And let me tell you this. Here's a side caveat. Here's like a little, here's a little extra bonus side salad. You guys ready for this? This is a good thought right here. Side salad is learn to also be a receiver. Learn to receive well, meaning this. Don't be someone that's greedy and you're only looking to get what you can from other people. But listen, if God put on someone's heart to bless you and be generous to you. And I know Hawaii style is this. No, nah, I don't need it. Don't need it. No, it's okay. It's okay. I don't need it. I don't need it. That's Hawaii style. But God's style, God culture is if he put it on someone's heart to bless you, you learn to receive that blessing because if you don't, you're going to rob them of the blessing that they're going to get. If those people at that restaurant said, no, we refuse your blessing, then my friends, that couple would have been like, oh, but, but God told us to, and we, we wanted to. And they don't get that feeling of refreshment, feeling of being close to God, that feeling of sacrifice and surrender to boost their faith. They would be robbed of the blessing if someone rejected it. So I'm just telling you this. There's times in our life we need to learn to receive gifts because it could be that God put something on your friend's heart and they've never had that experience before, God speaking to them and challenging them to step out of their faith and to bless you with something. And by us going, no, no need, no need, no need, we're actually robbing them of the blessing. We're going to receive a blessing by receiving it, but they're going to receive a blessing by giving it. I've had this happen to me. Tried to give people gifts and bless them with things because God told me to, went out of my way, and they fully denied it and rejected it. And I feel like I'm just like, uh, 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 I wanted that. I wanted to do that. Don't rob people of the blessing. That's a side salad for today. Was that good? It's a good word. Okay, let's go into the next thing is, is this. And I just got three things of what can I give? Okay, pastor, you're telling me to be a good giver. Here comes the speech. What do you want me to give? Tithe to Anchor Church. Oh, we're expecting that one. No, here's what I'm saying. There's different ways you can give. I'm talking today about a heart of generosity. Part of it is giving our money. We're in this, this question. God, how can you help me with my money? Part of it, God goes, remember it's all mine. And you're just sharing and managing with other people. But he's also promising us, us this throughout scripture. 
when you give whatever you give, I'm going to reward you. So here's the first thing that we can give. Number one, write this in your notes. My treasure. I can give what I hold valuable, the money, the resources, whatever he gives me. Listen, remember the first message was, it all belongs to, it all belongs to God anyway. That when I tithe, if God has asked me to give my treasure to the church, I'm not giving it. I'm returning it. Oh, God, you gave me all of this stuff. All I'm doing is returning 10% to you because you're going to use that to build your church and reach more people for Jesus. So I'm not, I don't feel bad about like, oh, I lost that money. No, I'm actually just returning it to my master, my Lord, the father that gave it to me in the first place. Here's my 10%, God. So I do. I give my treasure. I do. I do tithe. I believe in it. I, I preach tithing. But here's the other thing is, with your treasure, do you realize that sometimes some of the things that God gives you aren't meant for you to keep anyway? You ever think about that? Sometimes we go like this, like, wow, God, what a blessing I got this. I don't even deserve it. And he goes, ah, yeah, you're right. It's not for you. (laughs) Wait, what? Listen, there's some things that God gives us in our lives, a lot of things, that wasn't really intended for us in the first place. We just get to hold it and manage it for a little while. And he's going, the reason I gave that to you is because two days from now or six months from now, someone's going to be in need. And I'm hoping that you hold on to it good, manage it well but it's actually meant for your friend over there so you can give and be a blessing to the world around you. There is some stuff in our lives that God does not even intend for us to keep. He gives it to us because somewhere along the line, he's expecting we're going to be good managers, good kids, and when a need arises, he gave it to us so we could give it to someone else. Isn't that a good way to think about our stuff? Like, don't get all hoarder status. Like, hoarders are like, ah, we want it all. But God is actually saying, give your treasure. Secondly, give your talents. Give your treasures, but give your talents. What are your talents? It means your skills, your abilities, the, the passions in your life. What is it that's in your bag of tricks? Like, what do you like to do? What's the neighborhood you grew up in that, that you know a lot about? Then maybe someone you can help someone else from that same neighborhood. What are the things that you've been through, the experience, the education you have, the job that you work, the skill set that you have, the passion, the sports, the hobbies, the stuff that you want to do? God's going, how can you leverage that and use that? to give that away to bless other people around you. Because if you do that, I'm going to bless you back in return. Like you give whatever you have away. Your talents. Listen, D.L. Moody, famous preacher, said this. If this world is going to be reached, and he's talking about reached for Jesus. If this world is going to be reached, I'm convinced that it must be done by men and women of average talent. You know what he's saying is? None of us needs to think that like, oh, The giving, the generosity, that's for holy people like pastors and leaders. And that's for people that are rich and they're well off. He's saying, we're going to reach the world by every one of us, average people, average talent, sharing whatever it is that we have. Someone needs what you have. Take an inventory of who you are, your talent in life. Go share that with someone. 1 Peter 4.9 says it like this. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry. Just a meal. That's simple. Give a bed to the homeless cheerfully. Be generous with the different things that God gave you, because we all have different things. Passing them around so that all can get in on it. If it's words, then let it be God's words. If it's help, then let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. Encores to the end of time. Oh, yes. It's saying, basically, just share whatever it is that you got. If it's an encouraging word, just share an encouraging word. If it's, if it's, a, if it's a meal, if it's a bed, if it, whatever it is that you got that's your talent, share that with someone else. And if you do that, God's going to help. He's going to return it. He's going to bless you. Here's the third thing. Treasures, talents, time. Time. That's something that you could say, well, I don't have treasure. Okay, I get it. I don't have too much talents. I'm not that, I'm like really, in, in, you know, I'm like uncoordinated. I got no talent, right? But here's the deal. Every one of us has time. Here's what I mean by time. 
You have time at the very least to sit and listen to someone that's going through something hard. You don't, maybe you don't have the wisdom to tell them what to do. You don't have the resources to help them. But sometimes people just need a listening ear. Sometimes people need to just vent and cry. And they need someone that's going to take the time out of their day to stop, to be present with them, to give them their full attention, and just let people just vent and hurt and cry. That's, all of us have time to do that. Maybe it's, it's, it's like simply just, just time to pray. Time to pray. Generosity with your time to pray. Listen, I've talked to people. I try to do this. I'm not perfect at this. But where I talk to people in the regular world, not just at church, but at the beach, in the stores, in Target, whatever, Safeway shopping, if I talk to someone and I see them, like, hey, what's up, Pastor Carl? Hey, how's it? How's it going in your life? Oh, good, but this is going on in my life. And they share a hurt, a heartache, a relationship problem. They're deploying out. They're scared of what's going on. I try to stop right there, give my time to pray for someone. And it's not like 10-minute long prayers because I'm like trying to buy peanut butter. I don't have time for that. But I have time to say a 30-second or one-minute prayer right there in Target. Sometimes I'll lay hands on them. Is it cool if I put my hand on your shoulder? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I pray for them. And this is oftentimes what happens. I get done praying. I look up, and the person is in tears. It made a huge difference in their life that I would take 30 seconds out of my shopping in the peanut butter aisle to pray for their needs. Just change the life right there. Generosity with your time. All of us are given time. Can I get an amen to that? We got time to pray. You got time to give a hug. You got time to smile and give a compliment. You got time to write a text real quick to people you appreciate and just let them know. Hey, I love you, man. Thanks for your friendship. Hope you're doing good today. Praying good things in your life today that God will bless. You got time to do this kind of stuff. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. In other words, give time to each other. Make sure you have time for that, as some people do. Some people give up, and they don't have time for each other. But, hey, let's not be like that. Let's not neglect meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, this whole message on generosity is simply this. Make someone's life better because you're in it. Use whatever you got to make someone's life better simply because you're in their life. You know what? I do funerals from time to time. Worst part of my job. I like all preparing messages. I like doing weddings and all that. Funerals are like, they're just sad. Like we miss people. It's a, it's a hard time. And I'm there to try to give hope and to talk a little bit about God. But that's the hardest part of my job. It wears heavy on my heart. But at funerals, I've always noticed this, is that at funerals, when they're getting up and there's eulogy and people are sharing open mic, no one ever brags or promotes or talks about or acknowledges all the stuff that that deceased person gained in life. What they talk about is what that person gave in life. And you got to understand that that's the most important thing that we leave behind, a legacy of giving. Like, no one's going to get up there and go, oh, Pastor Carl, he had that truck. He wanted that truck. He kept good track of that truck. Oh, we're always going to remember him by his Toyota Tacoma. Man, Pastor Carl, we love that you had that truck. No one is going to talk about my stuff and the things I've gained. You know what they're going to talk about? I'm hoping my kids say, oh, dad was always there for me. He used to come to all of my sporting events, and, and he would take me surfing, and he, he would always counsel me, and people are going to come forward, hopefully some of you guys, right? Like, oh, he prayed for us. He always gave his heart. People are going to remember you by what you gave, not by what you gained. Amen? Let's learn to be people. Let's understand generosity changes lives. We will be more blessed when we give. Here's a challenge for this week. Go give uncomfortably this week. 
Go get out of yourself and your normal routine and give your treasure, your talent, or your time in a way that you never have before. Stretch yourself to be a giver and watch how God's going to reward you. And he's going to bring abundance and you will be more blessed when we become more generous. Is that a good word for you guys this morning? Let's pray, let's seal the deal, and let's get out there. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father God, that you gave to us, first of all. We wouldn't even have anything to give if it wasn't for you and, and giving Jesus. Thank you that you're such a good giver. Help us to imitate you well. And I pray that this morning that we walk out of here just challenged a little bit more to make the world a better place around us by, by being generous. Lord, I pray also that if anybody came in here today and you're looking for something, you're looking for God, you're looking for a change in life, you're looking for hope, you're looking for, for something good in life, I pray that you found it this morning. I pray that you would understand through what we talked about and the people around you and the songs we sing, the prayers we pray, I pray that you would find that there is hope in God, there's hope in Jesus Christ. And that he's got a plan for your life. He wants to do something good. He wants to turn the mess of your life into a miracle. He wants to give you a message for him to bless the world around you. But all you got to do is say yes to Jesus. He'll never force himself on you. The thing about our God is he's not going to force or control us. We have to give him permission to come in, to have relationship. We have to invite him into our lives. And so when we do, it changes everything. He transforms us. He grows us. But we have to acknowledge that we can't do it on our own. We need him. And if you've never come to that point before, but today's your day, this is your moment right now to say, I want to give this a try. I want to try God. I want to say yes to all he has in my life and see what he could do with my life. If you want to walk out of this room today knowing that you are a fully forgiven, saved, healed Christian, that God's at work in your life making it a better place and, and just, just fixing you up, if that's what you want, I would love for you to join me in a prayer I'm going to say right now. And here's the deal. I'm going to pray the words out loud. I'm not going to ask you to pray them out loud in front of all these people. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. In other words, I'm going to make my words your words, that you would take my words make them the prayer of your heart to God right now, sitting in that seat right now. You would own these words and you would pray them to God. And God's going to come into your life. He's going to change you as you continue to live for him. Life gets better. It's still going to be hard moments, but now he's on your team and he's going to back you and he's going to help you. If you want to pray this prayer right now, I'm going to ask one thing. Everybody's eyes are closed and their heads are bowed. I just want to know who I get the privilege of praying with this morning. So if you'd like to pray this prayer that, that allows you to say yes to the Lord and, and become a Christian right now, can you let me know that you're going to pray with me? I just want to see you. Can you just do one simple thing right now? Can you raise your hand? Can you hold your hand up until I see it? Good, I see hands going up around the room. I see you, I see you, I see you. Praise God, I see you over there. I see hands over here. I see this hand over here. Praise God. Anybody else? If I didn't see you, just wave. I just want you to know you're seen, you're noticed. God's got you. I see hands in the back. If you're in the courtyard out there, someone sees you. Someone right up in the front here. Praise God. If you're online, you just pray along with us right now. If you're in the kids room, God sees you. Put your hands down right now and make this the prayer of your heart. Here we go. God, I'm here today and I know you see me. You notice me. You created me. You want relationship with me. You've been waiting for this my whole life for me to say yes to you and come into relationship. So God, here I am the mess of my life that it might be. You promise that you love me. You're not going to judge me, but you're just going to take me as I am and you're going to do something really good with my life. But I'm telling you right now, I believe in Jesus. I believe that you gave first your son to die on the cross to pay the price for my sin. He overcame death and my sin by his resurrection from that grave that he proved he has power over all of that. So Lord, right now I'm telling you, here's my life. Make me into a new creation. Change me, bless me, show me how to live for you. I promise to live my days out serving you and knowing you and loving you until I see you face to face in heaven someday. Thank you for being my God from this day forward. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen. Amen. Let's praise God with those people right now.
Amen. Amen. Super good.